Well, good morning, church family. Good to see all of you this morning. You know, one of the podcasts I'd like to listen to is called Out Alive, put on by uh, Backpacker Magazine. And Out Alive features the stories of people in life and death situations in the backcountry who make it out alive. Um, and I'm struck with how many of these people, and these stories range from being stalked by polar bears in the Arctic to being stung by a scorpion while um, um, riding the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon to being stranded in the, in the desert and the mountains. And I'm struck with how many people in these situations, after a couple of days, start seeing a mirage. Um, like a woman named Mary Grimm, who in 2013 was stranded alone for six days in a snowstorm on Mount Hood. And after a couple of days of exhaustion and, and dehydration and, and um, not having food, uh, Mary started seeing mirages around her and eventually started hallucinating, started seeing things that weren't really there. Well, we're in a series called Living by Faith through Hebrews chapters 11 through 13. And last week, I defined faith as laying hold of the promises that God has offered us through Jesus Christ, grabbing those promises. But some people think that living by faith is like following a mirage. Like HBO comedian Bill Maher, who once characterized faith as a neurological disorder. Or the atheist philosopher Sam Harris, who says that living by faith is a form of mental illness. Are people who live by faith chasing something that isn't really there. Well, today we're going to look at living by faith as a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a long journey, often to an unknown place, where Pearson seeks to find spiritual meaning in the journey. And we call people who go on these kinds of journeys pilgrims. And today we're going to look at five pilgrims, four men and one woman, who lived by faith. All five of these pilgrims are from the Bible's book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And in their own time, some people said that these five pilgrims were chasing a mirage, following something that wasn't really there. But Hebrews chapter 11, where we're going to be today, lifts up these five pilgrims from Genesis as examples of people who live their lives by faith as examples for us in our own pilgrimage of faith. So if you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? And uh, we're going to start today with Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16. As it describes these pilgrims of faith from Genesis, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You can be seated. Do you hear the language of pilgrimage in these verses? 
All five of the people that we're going to look at today lived as foreigners and strangers on earth as they saw and welcomed from a distance the fulfillment of God's promises. They were never fully at home in their world because they were longing for a better country, a heavenly city that God himself was preparing for them. So let's briefly consider the five pilgrims that are mentioned in this section of Hebrews. And in verse 4, our author starts with Abel from the book of Genesis. Genesis 11 verse 4 says this, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. You've read Genesis, you know that Abel is the son of Adam and Eve, the younger son of their oldest son, Cain. And in Genesis chapter 4, we read that these two brothers, Cain and Abel, both approached God in worship, and each brought their own offering to God. Cain was a farmer, so he brought some of his crops as an offering to God. And Abel was a rancher, so he brought a firstborn of his livestock as an offering to God. And Genesis 4 tells us that God accepted Abel's offering, but did not accept Cain's offering. And this infuriated Cain. And if you know the story in a rage, Cain lured his brother Abel into a remote field and murdered him. Genesis presents this as the first murder in human history. Why did God accept Abel's offering but reject Cain's? This question has vexed Bible readers both in Judaism and in the Christian faith through the centuries, and various options have been suggested. But here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, the author says that what separated Abel's offering from Cain's offering was faith. Abel brought his offering by faith, implying that Cain did not. Abel had faith that God would accept his sincere worship. He had faith. By faith, Abel grasped the promise of God that God would accept what he brought in worship. An act of worship that's not offered in faith is not acceptable to God, no matter what that offering might be or how valuable it is. Because as we learned last week, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, where did Abel's pilgrimage of faith lead him? It led him to an early death. The distinction of being the first homicide victim in human history. Abel's faith did not produce a long life of contentment or comfort. Living by faith does not guarantee that our lives will be long and filled with ease and comfort. But Abel's life, although it was short and it was cut short violently by his brother, still speaks to us today about the importance of the pilgrimage of faith. Brings us to our second pilgrim. Enoch, in Hebrews 11.5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away, says Genesis. For before he was taken, he was commended 
as one who pleased God. Now, we know even less about Enoch than we know about Abel. There are only a couple of verses in Genesis that talk about this guy named Enoch. In fact, Enoch was such a mysterious figure in ancient Judaism that thousands and thousands of years later, um, anonymous writers would write books that speculated about Enoch's life. None of these books are found in the Bible, although one of them, the book of Enoch, is alluded to in the New Testament book of James. Now, historically, these books about Enoch are pure fiction, and they're also filled with teachings and ideas that contradict the Bible. So beware of the book of Enoch. But according to Genesis chapter 5, Enoch walked with God for hundreds of years and then God took him, which Hebrews here, 11.5, interprets as God taking Enoch directly to heaven, that he bypassed physical death. Enoch had faith that God would honor his way of life. He had faith. Enoch's pilgrimage of faith could not be more different than Abel's was. Abel's pilgrimage of faith was short and ended in violence and tragedy. Enoch's pilgrimage of faith was long and bypassed death entirely. And perhaps the author of Hebrews is trying to, to tell us that every person's pilgrimage of faith is different, that we shouldn't judge the quality of a person's pilgrimage of faith based on how long or short their life is or how their life ends. The third pilgrim he mentions is Noah. Verse 7 by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. In Genesis, if you know the story, God commands Noah to build an ark because according to Genesis chapter 6, human violence in the world was corrupting God's creation. And this violence kept getting worse and worse. And God saw that if he allowed it to continue, it would destroy life itself and derail God's plan to offer salvation to the ends of the earth, ultimately through Jesus. So God determined to cleanse creation of this violence by sending a flood and starting over. But God also determined to save Noah and his family because they were living by faith. So as Noah began building this ark, other people mocked him and said, surely if anyone is following a mirage, something that isn't really there, it's Noah. But Noah persevered because he was living by faith. He was laying hold of God's promise to save he and to save his family from the coming flood. Noah had faith that God would vindicate his obedience. He grasped God's promise to save him. And when the flood did come, he and his family were saved. Now, this does not mean that Noah was perfect. If you keep reading Genesis, you get to chapter 9, you learn that after the flood, Noah planted a vineyard, made wine, got drunk, and then humiliated himself in front of his family. And when one of Noah's sons tried to, to help him save face, Noah cursed that son. No one's pilgrimage of faith is perfect. And yet despite his failures, Noah laid hold of the promise of God for his generation. Next is Abraham, perhaps the Bible's greatest pilgrim of faith. 
Verses 8, 9, and 10 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. These verses focus on how Abraham responded to the call of God in Genesis chapter 12 to leave his homeland behind and to travel to a place he had never been before. And when Abraham heard God's call to do that, he laid hold of God's promises and took he and his family onto a pilgrimage of faith into the unknown. And when Abraham did arrive in the land of Canaan, the promised land, he lived there as a stranger, as a pilgrim, still on a pilgrimage, because the promised land was just one more step along the way of Abraham's pilgrimage of faith. Hebrews says that Abraham was looking beyond Canaan, beyond the promised land, for a heavenly city, a place whose foundations and architect and builder were from God himself. Abraham was yearning for the kingdom of God, not merely a plot of land with borders that could be found on a map. Abraham had faith that God would lead him to his final destination, that God would lead him to his final destination. Now, if you've heard Abraham's story before, you know that God also promised to give Abraham and his wife Sarah a son. And this son, Isaac, would be the next chapter in the unfolding of God's plan to offer salvation to the world, ultimately coming through Jesus. But Abraham had to wait a really long time for God to make good on that promise. He was 75 years old when God promised to give he and Sarah a son of their own. And Abraham had to wait another 25 years after that until Isaac was born. And so if you counted to 100, you did your math right. But then in verses 17 through 19 of Hebrews 11, it jumps ahead to Abraham's biggest test of faith. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And in so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. In Genesis 22, after Isaac has been born and grown into a young man, Abraham faces a test in his faith. God's promise to Abraham that God would advance his plan through his son Isaac seems to contradict God's command to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. What do you do when the promises that God has made to you are in conflict with something that God is calling you to do that would seem to derail that promise? 
Well, Hebrews tells us that by faith, Abraham reasoned that if he went through with God's command, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. And so by faith, Abraham began to obey. And if you know the story, God stopped Abraham before he followed through. Abraham had faith that God would advance his plan through Isaac, to advance his plan. Now, what Hebrews doesn't tell us in Hebrews 11 is what happened in between God's call to Abraham in Genesis 12 and God's test of Abraham in Genesis 22. Because in between these two supreme acts of faith, Abraham went through a lot of doubts and detours in his pilgrimage of faith. In fact, in chapter 12, Abraham nearly destroyed his marriage by lying about Sarah being his wife while they were living in Egypt on the way to the promised land. And then in chapter 16, Abraham tries to help God along with fulfilling his promises by sleeping with his wife's servant, Hagar, and having a son with her named Ishmael. And the results of this act of unbelief were disastrous. It nearly tore apart Abraham's family, and it nearly destroyed the lives of Hagar and her son, Ishmael. And in chapter 20, as if Abraham didn't learn the first time, he once again nearly destroys his marriage by lying about Sarah being his wife. And I don't bring these things up to to diss Abraham, but to remind us that on a pilgrimage of faith, we often end up on detours and lose our way and have doubts. The last pilgrim, the author of Hebrews lists, is Sarah, back in verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered God faithful. I'm so glad Hebrews 11 does not neglect the women who live by faith as well. Because this pilgrimage of faith is for everyone, men and women alike. And when God first made his promise to Abraham and to Sarah that he would give them a child of their own in their old age, Sarah's response in Genesis 18, 18 was to laugh to herself. Yet despite her skepticism, she considered him faithful who had made this promise. She grasped the promises of God. Sarah had faith that God would give her a child in her old age. She had faith. These five pilgrims of faith lived by faith despite their doubts, their fears, their detours, their failures, and their struggles. Each one of them laid hold of the promises of God that God had offered them in their generation. All five of these pilgrims died while they were still living by faith. They they saw and they welcomed the fulfillment of God's promises from a distance. People around them accused them of following a mirage, of of living and following things that weren't there. And they doubted and, and questioned at times as well, but they persisted in living by faith. Now, you may be thinking, now, wait a minute. Didn't these five people receive God's promises? 
Didn't God accept Abel's offering? Wasn't Noah and his family saved, rescued from the flood? Didn't Abraham and Sarah arrive in the promised land and didn't they have a son of their own in Isaac? Didn't these pilgrims receive the things that God had promised them? But Hebrews 11.6 says no. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. You see, what these five pilgrims of faith experienced within their own lifetime was a mere foretaste of the promises of God. If God's promises are like a meal, they ate the appetizers and looked forward to the main course. So what can we learn from these five pilgrims? And let me give you just, just three quick lessons that we can learn. First, living by faith in God's promises is a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong journey. Living by faith is not a phase. It's not a temporary stage in life. That if you want to live by faith in Jesus, this pilgrimage of faith will last your entire life. Whether that life is cut short in tragedy like Abel's or whether it's long and full like Enoch's. Even when our pilgrimage is punctuated with failure like Noah's or detours like Abraham's, it will last our entire life. Living by faith is an a lifelong pilgrimage that we will never outgrow. Secondly, living by faith also helps us see the fulfillment of God's promises. Faith helps us see. I, I love that phrase again from verse 13. They saw and they welcomed the fulfillment of God's promises from a distance. On the pilgrimage of faith, we see the fulfillment of God's promises to us through Jesus from a distance as well. And while others might say it's a mirage, we say is the certain fulfillment because we, like Sarah, consider God faithful who made these promises. And so when we're sick and our body's giving way, we see and welcome God's promise that our future resurrection will bring our bodies full and complete healing. When our relationships are fractured or broken, we see and welcome from a distance God's promise to one day reconcile all things through Christ. When we're discouraged about the state of our world or the state of our culture, we see and welcome God's promise to fulfill his plan through his son, Jesus. And when we fail yet again, and we ask ourselves if we will ever change the things that we don't like about ourselves, we can see and welcome from a distance God's promise that he will finish the work that he began within us to make us like Jesus. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, they all looked forward to the final fulfillment of God's promises, even as they experienced the faithfulness of God throughout their lives. Abel's acceptable worship, Noah's deliverance from the flood, Abraham and Sarah's residence in the promised land and the birth of Isaac, these were mere appetizers looking forward to the main course. Foretastes of the coming of Jesus and the coming of his kingdom on earth. And so as we live by faith, 
we can look to the future with hopeful, eager anticipation. And finally, on this pilgrimage of faith, living by faith causes God delight. Living by faith causes God delight. I love that phrase from verse 16. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed. You see, it's not our works or our obedience or our achievements that bring God the light. It's not building a big church or gaining political clout or building a resume of service. It's not even a healthy family or a successful marriage or advancing in our careers. It's living by faith that brings God delight. God is not ashamed to be called your God when you are living by faith. About 20 years ago, there was a website called Jesus Needs Better PR. PR, of course, standing for public relations. And this website was kind of a repository documenting the many ways that Christians, particularly in our culture, were behaving badly and damaging the reputation of Jesus to those outside of the church. Churches mishandling finances, pastors bullying their church members, leaders covering up scandals, and on and on it went. Jesus needs better PR, the, um, lead, the person who managed this website said, from many of his people. But you know, the way forward is not trying harder to be better. The way forward is rediscovering what it means to live by faith. Learning to live in the way faithful pilgrims from the past have lived. To see and welcome the promises of God from a distance. To long for a city with foundations whose builder and architect is God himself. To live in light of the coming of the new Jerusalem rather than trying to build our own Jerusalem right here. To live as pilgrims in a foreign land because we are on a pilgrimage to the kingdom of God. And God delights when people live that way. Yes, some people will claim it's all a mirage. And we should expect that kind of response from skeptics from the likes of Bill Maher or philosopher Sam Harris. But sometimes even Christians forget that we are on a pilgrimage of faith. Sometimes we act as if we're already in the promised land. And so we make ourselves at home where we are, contenting ourselves with all that this life offers instead of laying a hold of all the promises that God offers us through Jesus. And let me tell you, church family, the promises of our culture and the promises of our world, that is the real mirage. Because these promises may seem real for a time, but they're like a sandcastle that will disappear when the tides of time come in. If you're lost in the backcountry, one way to find your way home is to find a landmark. A landmark like a mountain peak you're familiar with can help you get your bearings, figure out where you are so you can navigate your way home to safety. God's promises are the landmark he has given us so we can get our bearings, figure out where we are, and navigate our way home. This is what God's people 
have done for generations. This is what pilgrims like Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah did in their own day. And this is what God calls us as his people to do today, to learn to live by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words of Scripture that invite us to lift up our eyes and to scan the horizon and to see and to welcome the fulfillment of your promises with joy and anticipation, to lean in to hope, God, because he who has promised these things is faithful. Lord, help us as a congregation be pilgrims of faith on a pilgrimage to a country that you have created, to a city with foundations that you are the builder and the architect of. And when we lose our way, or we have doubts, or we fail, through your grace, help us persevere and get back up again to get our bearings and to live by faith. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.